Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 78. Today's episode is for you if you're an agency owner, busy running an agency, but also facing challenge or adversity in your private life. The wonderful Rebecca McIntyre-Smith is Director of Digital Agency Primate and founder of the Lima Foundation. She has a remarkably touching story of tragedy, adversity and resilience. I'm really grateful she shared her story and I hope you find it as inspiring as I did, but also find her practical tips for other agency owners useful. Every time I speak to Rebecca, I move to tears because despite going through so much in her life, she still manages to be incredibly bubbly and effervescent and gets you to open up about your own problems. I haven't given away anything about her story because I want you to hear it directly from her. So let's go over to her now. Today, I'm delighted to have with me Rebecca McIntyre-Smith. Rebecca is the managing partner at Primate, a digital transformation agency based in Edinburgh. She's also the founder of the Lima Foundation, a foundation that donates top-up budget to charity clients investing in digital. And as if that wasn't enough, and you'll find out more because she's going to tell her story, she's also the host of About This Storm, which we'll get into a little bit later. But Rebecca, warm welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to chat to you. It's a pleasure. And honestly, since we connected a few months ago now, we've had several chats and I yeah. I just love your energy. You exude energy. And one of the reasons that I've invited you on is because you have such a heart-wrenching story that I think this is going to be a great episode for people listening that may be going through some kind of difficulty in their life, but they're also trying to either work in or actually lead an agency. So I think your story is so pertinent. So would you mind by starting off by spending a few minutes just talking about just maybe first of all, a bit of background as to what sort of led you to be an agency owner. And then maybe we could get into a bit more detail about the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a terrible starting story because I fell into it completely by accident. I was doing contract voiceover for another agency who did both video and digital. And one day they said, oh, you know, we really like you. Do you think you'd be interested in interviewing for the account exec role? And I said, oh, no, I'm not an accountant. I don't do maths, like words, English, that's my thing. You've got the wrong person. And they said, but no, that's, honestly, that's not what it's about. Come and have a chat. And we had a chat and they said, you know, I think you'd be a great fit. And I think you'd really work in the client services department. Do you fancy giving it a go? And I got the job on the day, like in the same meeting in the interview room. So we did that and I joined and very quickly, I mean, within two days, I had like made friends with who is now my um, co-managing partner, Gordon, and basically had to sit down and beg him to give me Web 101. Like literally, what's a website? What do we do? Wow. What's HTML? So the client thing, I'm actually very personable. I love people. I love listening to their stories. I love their businesses. I love finding out what their plans are. So that bit came really naturally. 
understanding the digital bit kind of did not but that's where I started and then when I left that agency Gordon actually left I think two or three months after I started to set up Primate with two other other members of staff from Ehaw and when they started he said oh keep in touch and we'll see what happens and I think it was five years later we eventually reconnected and got back in touch and had a conversation and they were doing brilliant things and I sort of said I feel like you need someone who can sell it. You're great, but like nobody knows who you are. And so I persuaded them to take me on. And they agreed. And now we laugh. And I, you know, my joke is like, I'm like, oh, they needed me. Like they were doing all the awesome stuff, but somebody had to go and tell the world how awesome these guys were. And so, yeah, I'm not a founder. I fully muscled in. And yeah, now owner, director, and I share the managing partner role with Gordon. Wow. So what's Gordon's kind of experience? Like what is his thing? Why is this a good balance with you doing the sales and the client development? So Gordon was a developer. Uh, So he moved from development across. So the company was started by Bart, developer, Espen, designer, and Gordon, a developer. And Gordon, because we had, you know, design and dev brilliance in the other two of them, Gordon actually stepped into the MD role and the kind of client services and kind of doing everything else that you do in a startup when there's three of you and you have no clients and you you just exist. Um, And so when I came on, he was kind of touching everything but still kind of running the agency so I came on and naturally blended into I'll take client services I'll do the commercial bit and my role changed from head of client services to commercial director to director to managing partner so it works really nicely we blend really well together Wow. And that's quite interesting story, actually. And I think it might have given a little bit of inspiration to someone that perhaps is thinking about setting up on their own, but maybe doesn't feel like they want to go it alone. And actually, there's been quite a few people that are left agencies to set up. So maybe someone somewhere listening to this might think, well, actually, maybe I should approach this person because we loved working together. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. I have a huge number of friends across agencies and those who run it completely alone, who are sole directors, I always joke with them, I couldn't be you. I couldn't do your job. There's so many challenges in agencies, so many ups and downs. And whilst I think it's great that you can bring in all your mentors, like for me, not having the stability of my co-directors where you can just jump into a conversation where somebody else is sharing, you know, the decision-making or the stress or the load. And it's not equal all the time. Gordon and I still have to take quite a lot of decisions aside from kind of the rest of the team. But I just couldn't imagine doing this on my own. So yeah, I think kudos to everybody who does it on their own. And I would recommend doing it with somebody else. (laughs) Right. So how long were you in that role? So you started off, you were managing the clients, client relationship development and you did a commercial director role and then how many years have you worked at primate i've worked at primate now for eight years yeah i'm like oh god i should know that off the top of my head and so the first four were spent every year kind of we moved me from business development client services commercial director right the way up until i joined the board and then kind of said look i think you know let me buy in. <laughs> I promise I'll put skin in the game. I'm committed. I'm here. And yeah, so that process took a little while, but yeah, we got there in the end. So here we are now. Great. So from that moment up until 2019, tell us about the kind of the evolution of the business. So it was really organic. So we started as an agile agency and, you know, we went out as this tiny agency with insanely creative kind of leadership and ideas. You know, Bart, our head of dev, is a philosophy uh, 
grads. That's his background. So he comes at this in a completely different way and he challenges us and he's been challenging people on digital ethics and on the way we should be, you know, treating projects on best practice for years and years before it was, you know, oh, everybody wants to know about Core Web Vitals. He was always pushing it. And likewise, at the time, our creative director had this incredible vision and was really kind of specific on the sites that we wanted to do. The challenge with it is pitching Agile, you might get a website. We're not entirely sure how many pages you'll have. This is sort of what it might cost, but really it's time and materials was just not conducive to actually growing the agency. And when we started, we also wanted it to be very relaxed. So we had no account managers, no project managers. Everybody worked, we'd work directly with the senior team. And after a couple of years, you realize you can't actually run a business that way. <laughs> but we had to try it. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, realizing that didn't work, we started working on the primate process. And so that has evolved through the years. And now, for want of a better term, we call it Wagile, which is basically it's a waterfall model, but with the agile benefits in each section. So that you still have that you know budget and time for iteration and thinking and testing at each stage, but we still have very fixed sign-off points. So the client still understands that when they move from planning discovery into design they've signed that off if we're going back we need to then kind of start rescoping recosting and it's much clearer and it works really well for the project we deliver both from our side and for client side and by that stage as you were developing and growing the business you started putting account managers and project managers in place yeah and actually so we split it out straight away we realized that you know so as somebody who had taken that account management background and kind of run with it I knew that I was not a project manager. You know, I was a account manager, but I was not a project manager. And they were very different roles and we needed a different type of person. We needed that very fastidious, you know, time-orientated, detail-orientated person who could really run something through the studio. Whereas the account managers were all about relationships and about building that going forward. And they were going to be key to the longevity and the success of our client base. Whereas project manager was going to be key to actually getting a project out the door on time and on budget. So for us, as soon as we realized we wanted the roles, they always had to be separate. We never blended them together. I'm glad you said that, actually, because it's funny. I think having had this discussion with numerous people who have the hybrid role of an account manager, but they're actually project managing things, mm. it, there's a lot of frustration for someone who's like a pure account manager that kind of knows, you know what you excel at. You know yeah. that you love developing relationships. So it can be frustrating. So by that stage, you're on the board, you're a board director, the agency's going well, and you change the model of the agency, the ways of working, yeah. the processes. So talk to me about, you know, in the run up to October 2019. Yeah. So we had some challenging years around about kind of 2017, just that natural flow of growth, you know, as you grow slightly and then you have to push more sales and then there's a bit of a lull and you have to push again. And just that natural kind of slightly tumultuous, I guess, kind of growth period. But by and large, it was fun. We had a really close-knit team. And, you know, we were still very hands-on in the agency at that point because we were still only kind of 12 people. We weren't large, we weren't tiny. And we were kind of at that point squished into this tiny office. So in June 2019, we finally moved into our big studio where we are now, which is actually just around the corner. And suddenly it felt like we had kind of aged. You know, we had done all the interior design. We knew exactly how we wanted it to look. We had built an auditorium with this kind of cool tiered seating so that we could host interesting events. And it was just a step change. And we were ready for like proper growth. We had brought on mentors, we had brought on strategists, we had brought on coaches. And that was it. We were going to do proper growth, you know, kind of strategized growth and everything was in place for it. So carry on the story. <laughs> so everything was in place. 
for our strategized growth. And then unfortunately for the guys I work with, God bless them, uh, I put like a fairly major cat among the pigeons. So in the, the very late December 2018, actually just pushing into January 2019, my husband was diagnosed with stage three head and neck cancer. He was 36 at the time. Very, very rare, really unusual. And we, we I remember he, he had been really unwell. He had pain. He had this lump in his neck that wouldn't go away. And we were sent to the clinic and his doctor, who we love now, lit, we walked in and he said, Keith, you know, you're well, you're healthy, you know, you're fit. I don't know what cancer you have, but I'm telling you, you have cancer without any, without touching him. And so instantly it was like, okay, surely he's wrong. Of course, we know now, you know, he's incredibly intelligent and knows exactly what he's doing. And he wasn't wrong. So from January, he started very intensive treatment because it had spread from his throat down into his lymph nodes. So induction, chemo, combined chemo, radiotherapy, surgery, all of it right the way through. And he finally was given the all clear on the 13th of August, 2019. So it was was bonkers. So we went from big growth strategy, all these plans and continuing to follow the plan to me sort of... I look back and it's hard to decide like it was I was I just kind of clinging on to some normality like refusing to acknowledge the situation did I have guilt because we couldn't do the kind of full thing but we didn't pull me out of sales or client services until way too late so I was still I actually I was laughing with someone who had been through a similar experience recently I would get up in the morning I would go to the office I would leave the office I would go to the hospital which is like 10 minutes away from the office I would then sit there all evening I would go home I'd go to sleep I'd go to the office and then on days he was really unwell I would just go to the wards and I would just sit and do emails by his bed on the wards and you look back and think you would never put a member of staff there but you kind of can't see the wood from the trees when you're right in the middle of it but we look back and you can see in our figures you can see literally when cancer hit and then just the slow steady decline as the sales slowed down as we didn't move the rules around fast enough yeah you can see the cost of cancer in our agency that year wow i mean first of all absolutely devastating and i can see with the emotion in your eyes that it brings back painful memories And clearly, by the sounds of things, you were on autopilot, weren't you, during that time? For sure. sure. And looking back on that, like how you were operating on autopilot, because I know a lot of people turn to you for advice and reassurance and guidance. If someone's listening to this that has had kind of something equally as huge happen to them, looking back on that, are there any other pieces of advice you would have given to someone that was right there experiencing what you're experiencing yeah I mean the benefit of hindsight and I think it's a two-edged sword when you're a business owner so the benefit of hindsight is I look back and think I should have pulled myself out of the business immediately we should have you know instigated business continuity in the emergency plan straight away we should have switched up the roles we should have pulled out the you know key man insurance all of that but at the same time you know when you're only a team of 12 there's only so much you can give away without kind of going the impact on the business could be really significant. Like it could be really severe when, you know, as a team of 12, we only had one, you know, key commercial director and Gordon, you know, had to step in and pick all that up. And this is where I say I'm really lucky. I know actually Primate wouldn't exist if I had been a sole director because of, you know, what continued to happen. But the, you know, one of the most poignant and a story actually I forgot and Gordon told in a talk kind of months later 
we're up against it for this huge pitch. I mean, agency changing pitch. It was incredible. And the chemistry was brilliant. And we had somebody in there who was our champion. It was just spectacular. And so, you know, as pair with an agency, the deck wasn't completely perfect. (laughs) It wasn't quite right. And it was the morning of the day before the pitch. And the night before Keith had been admitted to hospital and I had taken a phone call that morning from his consultant around about half past seven telling me that he had sepsis and he was gravely unwell. And I remember sitting at our dining table just kind of crying, going, I don't, I genuinely don't know what to do. Like, I know I have to go and see him. He's so unwell. But at the same time, I'm going to have to leave the entire team with the pitch I've been running with, like the proposal, everything, you know, it's taken weeks and weeks of relationship building. And I had to call him just in floods of tears and say, I, I can't do, I can't, I have to go. And um, yeah, and he was amazing and just said, just leave, just close your laptop. Well, we've got it. Just close your laptop. And so he did that. And we lost the pitch. <laughs> oh. But I still, I still look back and think, you know what? I don't know how we'd have delivered it anyway. Because the team was in so much. The team were amazing. They were so chill about it all. And they just continued. They picked up where they had to. You know, they could see any gaps and they would just, you know, fill them back in. So I think it's the completely, you know, if I met the client again today, I would say, I'm so pleased you didn't pick up us. I was gutted at the time. But, you know, I think some things are meant for you and some things are meant to shift you in a different direction. And you know what? I think this is a really honest account, Rebecca, of what you're actually going through at the time, because I'm sure a lot of people listening, particularly agency owners, have got small teams that everyone carries the weight, that there are those really tricky dilemmas, you know, and yeah. everyone says family first, but when push comes to shove, you know, could I work it? I feel okay. And you must have been going through a million and one different emotions, but it sounded like you made the right call. And amazing that Gordon said, close your laptop. That actually made me tear up when he said that, because that is just huge. So carry on telling me the story. So you said that Keith, thankfully, on the 13th of October, that very same year, had been given the all clear. So 13th of August, and it's embedded in my mind because it's also my birthday. And I remember saying to his daughter, do we have to do it on the 13th? Because it's my birthday. So you're going to make or break my birthday for the rest of time. And he again very dark humoured and he laughed and he said well look just book McDonald's if it's bad and book like you know Granite Scally if it's great Granite Scally is an incredible restaurant then for you know McDonald's it's McDonald's and he insisted on doing it and we walked in and he just smiled and said oh you're completely cured it's good news and so it's <laughs> instant relief wow. but yeah that was not good birthday Russian roulette <laughs> I wasn't pro how just looking, we haven't talked a lot about Keith and how he mm. fared during that time. Like, how was it behind the scenes? His consultant, not um, that one, his oncologist describes him as the most zen patient he's ever had. And it's not the person I married. It's not because I used to laugh and say, like, he's not the most zen person. You know, he's stubborn and he can be a bit antagonistic and, you know, that normal kind of husband and wife kind of tussle but he just took it all in his stride and just somewhere he put it in his mind that like he just had to keep going and it would eventually end and I mean he had dreadful complications like too many to go into now but if you name it if it could go wrong with his treatment it went wrong you know and they even now they joke about it you know if you see his if you go in for an appointment you know his folder is this big and everyone else's is this big (laughs) Um, and yeah, so he was very stoic about it. 
and very calm and quite quite introverted about it. He didn't really want to share much, didn't want to talk about it, just wanted to get through it and get done. So we would give everybody a lot of updates when his treatment was happening, but nobody really saw him. And he lost 25 kilos in the process because he lost the ability to swallow temporarily. And I remember the first time a couple of people saw him and it was just like the shock because you know somebody's going through something, but it's not until you see somebody who has been through that much treatment that you realise um, they run well. Incredible. So the 13th of October, 2019, you had a huge celebration. Keith has got the all clear. Talk to us about what happened then. So yeah, 49 days after his all clear, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Completely unconnected, just pure bad luck. We went through all the possible reasons. And while stress could have been one, it wasn't one that was strong enough to have been the definitive. So it could have been a contributing factor. But um yeah, so I was diagnosed on the 1st of October. I was very on brand, though. It's Breast Cancer Awareness. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, okay, so at what stage were you there? Because you'd had this period of jubilation that Keith was okay. Then you get the devastating news that this is going to affect you. Talk us through what was happening in the business at that point, how the news landed with you. What was the reality of getting that diagnosis? So I remember being diagnosed by this lovely doctor who initially had said, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And at the end of the five hours that I'd been in hospital, he said, okay, it's not fine. And I just swore and kind of said, right, fine, let's go on with it and walked outside. But as soon as I stepped outside his room, it completely fell apart. And, and, you know, Keith even said to me at the time, because he was obviously quite upset at the time, he said, I would honestly rather do it again than have you do it now this is awful and so we just kind of went okay and again I picked up the phone to Gordon and said Gordon I wasn't expecting to do this but could you jump into the meeting I have scheduled at two o'clock because I'm not going to be back in the office (laughs) for Gordon (laughs) the stress levels I throw at her (laughs) he sounds Um, like an absolute rock carry on completely yeah completely and yeah and I think we've kind of done both for each other so yeah so that started my journey straight away so I was lucky in that it was caught earlier than Keith's. So whilst I did need all of the usual, the chemo, radio, surgery, et cetera, et cetera, it was not quite as brittle as Keith's. However, obviously being diagnosed late 2019, my treatment then ran all the way through COVID. So it went from kind of going in quite easily and quite naturally to actually being kind of quite of a challenge. But again, I don't know, and it sounds really morbid, it gave us an excuse to leave the house. We were allowed to drive somewhere. We were allowed to drive because it was one-on-one care. Instead of being on a ward of 12, it was you and a nurse just sitting for like two hours at a time, getting chemo or herceptin or anything else and just chatting. And, you know, they would bring sandwiches and, you know, we were had to sit apart, but it was this weird freedom. You know, we would drive back through the city and it was completely dead, but we were completely legitimately allowed to be out. <laughs> that is hilarious, actually. I mean... I- hilarious but like really just poignant as well I mean so do you think that COVID got in the way of anything or do you actually think that everything progressed as it should have progressed because I know there's quite a lot of controversy around that so COVID for me I was lucky so because I was diagnosed early COVID didn't get in the way of my treatment at all I was taken on time for everything surgery etc was still going on they literally ran the cancer center as if there was nothing happening except they had to spread us around the entire hospital And that was the only difference. You would disappear into different parts of the hospital with every appointment. Any spare room, there would be a cancer patient in it. But aside from that, there was no impact whatsoever. The one thing COVID did do, however, so having obviously had the experience with Keith, 
again, I was a bit stubborn and insisted on staying in role, but actually by my third chemo, it really wasn't working. And so I agreed with the guys to step out of the business completely. However, I was only off for, I think, 11 weeks when COVID hit and instantly we'd had no idea what was happening with the business. So I came off sick leave and jumped right back into the business again, because again, it felt like, you know, we had no idea. And you look back now and go, oh, bye. But at the time... We had no idea what was happening. And like everybody else, clients were calling and pausing their projects, pausing their retainers, pausing invoices. It was like there was just this stasis, temporary, like nobody knew what was happening. We were all frozen in time. And so I jumped back in and we tried to do some emergency planning. And then furlough came out. So we furloughed some staff. And then again, after three, four weeks, the world kind of began to go, oh, we can all work this way. We can all work from home. And clients started going, yeah, no, we can have project meetings on Zoom. That's just fine. And it went back to normal. But because we had furloughed staff, I was then back in account management and jumping on, you know, like not quite completely bald, but very little hair. <laughs> Probably <laughs> terrifying our clients. <laughs> and so that's, I think, the only thing I look back with frustration at COVID. You know, I probably shouldn't have been back in the business that early because I still, I then had to continue doing surgery and radio whilst also working. And again, I wouldn't recommend that. But I mean, we took a lot of time off, but yeah, that was what COVID got in the way of. You said that you did a Zoom call and by that stage, you'd lost some of your hair. So obviously your clients were aware. And this is just a practical question, really thinking about if anyone else is going through the similar thing. Did you make an announcement to your clients? Did you explain it to clients? Like, how did you handle the news in general with both the team and the client? So we have always, well, or I always chose to be completely honest and upfront from the very get-go, from everything. I didn't tell them when I was potentially sick, but I told them as soon as we knew I was sick. I remember telling the entire team together with Keith's diagnosis, we were in a morning stand-up and I said, look, I've got some news to share. And I told them. And then when it was me, I took everybody aside actually and did it one-on-one because it felt like you know something bigger and it was really going to affect me and them. So we had these one-on-one conversations. And, you know, it was amazing having those conversations. How many people then said to me, like, I didn't know that three of our staff had parents or aunts or family members who either were currently in treatment or had completed treatment. And so that honesty suddenly brings out all this other empathy and all these other stories. And that's what I think. This is why I am so honest about it. You know, we joke sometimes, oh, God, we're like the cancer agency. But I think rather share it and share the learnings and share the experience. And I think honesty is the most important part. So tell us to complete the kind of the treatment journey for both you and Keith. Bring us up to date with where you're both at. So I was given the all clear in July 2020 and touch me, I am perfectly fine. I'm completely healthy. I maintain some very basic treatment, but I am perfectly well and they have no concerns. And my incredible team put up with me dropping in every six months just to keep the health anxiety at bay. But they, I mean, we literally just walk in and have a chat now. There's nothing major. For Keith, fast forward to July last year, his cancer came back. So he had recurrence, which was very unexpected. And At the time, he was given three to 12 months to live without the success of a treatment. So his team put him up to the Scottish Medical Board for immunotherapy, which is not typically used. But because he was very young, very healthy and met all the parameters, they said yes. And he has been on the treatment now for just over a year, I think like 14 months, 15 months. And he currently has no evidence of disease. He's had like a complete response. They are blown away by him, his results. 
Honestly, I am so pleased for both of you. That is the outcome of this. And what a hell of a ride, what a hell of a journey you've been through. (laughs) And I know a lot of people say this to you, Rebecca, but I know that your whole kind of spirit, the whole way you've handled yourself and faced this challenge has been like just so inspiring. And I'm just interested in two things. One is the foundation that you've set up. I'd love to hear you know, obviously through that journey, what led you to do the foundation and also about the podcast and what your thought is for the podcast. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. So I guess in the four kind of tumultuous years that we've had, my mindset changed quite a lot from kind of just growth for growth sake. We want to get bigger. We want to get better. We want to get all the bigger clients too. I want to be people first and people, and we've always been people first, but I want to be very people first and I want to be doing good. And I want to be doing work that has a real purpose behind it not you know not just any old work and I refuse to work for any toxic clients I don't want our staff under any you know unnecessary stress and you know I know that you can either run like a lifestyle business or you can run kind of a business for growth and I used to be kind of stigmatized by the lifestyle label and think oh god you want to run a lifestyle business and now I so proudly run a lifestyle business I don't want our team sick I don't want anyone to go through what we did for the last four years and I don't want to do it. I want to be able to work with clients that I really like. I want to be able to make the profit that we can make at the size that we are without any needless stress or anxiety and also use the agency as a platform to do other things. And that's where Lemur came around. So as I said, I really wanted to do something with more purpose. We've always worked with charities. We've always given time away or offered a discount or kind of offered a discount to day rates. And I wanted to do something more concrete and hopefully something that could become bigger than us. So we started Lemur Foundation and it's essentially a pro bono scheme where we give away time to clients. And this year it's £40,000. But the bigger vision for it is that we want other agencies to be doing the same and we would like it to become a pay it forward scheme where our richer clients can pay it forward to charity clients. And then essentially the longer term plan is that it becomes this grant giving body where you can come and get a digital grant for anything digital and it can be paid to any digital agency. You have to be investing, you have to have a website or be starting something or you know putting some money down because it's a percentage grant. But it can be on any topic. It's not cancer focused. It's any charity, anyone who needs any support in improving digital tools, because we know that digital makes twice as much kind of impact with those clients than it does for many of our kind of professional services, for example, clients. You know, it, it really has to work harder for them. So, yeah, that's Lemur. Amazing. So that's very inspiring. And we'll definitely put a link in the show notes so that people can find out more. And then tell me about this storm, the podcast. About the start of the podcast. So this idea originated three years ago when I was just coming out of treatment with Keith and had kind of gone through the start, the trying to keep the agency alive and starting to tell people about it. And the more I told people about it, the more they gave me their story on how they managed to keep an agency or a business alive and the challenges they had. And I realized all these people out there, unfortunately, there are many of them who have these stories, these situations. They've had to suddenly become a carer. They have IBS challenges. They also have cancer. Their partner or parent has cancer. They have a huge accident that renders them, you know, incapable or immobile for a while. But at the same time, you have this big responsibility, you know, as a director to the business. You have to 
keep its best interests at the forefront of your mind. You have to keep its employees at the forefront of your mind. And for most of us, you need the business to exist to pay you too. <laughs> you know? So about the storm, and it's taken from a Brene Brown quote. And the quote is, one day you'll tell people about the storm and it'll encourage people to keep going. And that's what I want to do. I've invited lots of people who've shared their stories with me to share them on the podcast and basically you know, tell people about crazy challenges that people have survived because everybody has gone through their hardest day and come out the other side of it. You know, even the worst possible day. And you look back and it might still be a bit triggering or it might have that kind of visceral feeling. But yeah, you still made it through the other side. And I think mindset and all the people I've spoken to, mindset has played a huge part in it. And it's a massive challenge and it's not something that you can just leave. You have to work on it all the time. But yeah, that, that's what I want to share with the podcast. I mean, already, we were talking about this the other day, and you got me to open up about some of my challenges that I've had with my family, and you just started making me cry. So I know <laughs> that your podcast is going to be so brilliant. And, and well done you for kind of being the inspiration, because like you said, when at that moment telling the team, they started opening up to you. Yeah. So you showed that level of empathy and look at all the stories of people coming forward. So I think it's a fantastic initiative and well done. I think that's it's hugely beneficial to a lot of people. And I'm just curious, you talked there briefly about mindset. Yeah. What helped you with your mindset over these last few years? So when I was First, kind of processing everything. I used to do a lot of yoga and do meditation. And so I was trying to do a lot of that and it didn't really help. So then I moved on to journaling. And for a long time throughout my entire treatment, I kept a blog, which was really cathartic and, you know, kind of really helped to get it all out there and explain what it was like. I've pulled it down now, but I still have all the content. And then I, it was after Keith's most recent diagnosis, I really struggled. It felt like we could, you know, we've done everything. We've done our dues. Like we've, I don't need another drama <laughs> to survive and so again Gordon had met this mindset coach and said look let's give it a try we've done various business coaching but this was proper mindset coaching and so for the last almost year now since January I have been doing a very specific type of mindset coaching called non-duality which as soon as I started doing it kind of suddenly made me realize oh I think this is kind of how I live and I just didn't know that it was a thing I didn't know that you could think this way and you know that there was some history behind it and some reason and some belief that you know other people have and through really high levels so non-duality it kind of teaches that you are not your thoughts and you're not your beliefs it's all about working with your consciousness and kind of shining a light on where you want it to go and uh, and seeing it happen so it's like extreme visualization I mean, I'm not selling it well my coach if he watches this will be horrified <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is how we met, wasn't it? Because I'd yes. been on a three-day mindset course, which was all about non-duality. You saw that post that I did, which I was blown away by it. And you said, oh my God, I've had a mindset coach as well. And that's how we connected. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the same. Trying to explain it to anybody else is really difficult. But working with someone, like, first of all, you were resistant to it, but actually you felt Obviously, what you just described there was a bit of a coming home feeling. You thought, well, this actually feels really comfortable. So, yeah. so how long were you working with this coach? And what were the points that were really helpful? Was there anything you can share? Any kind of moments that the penny dropped or that were the shift moments? 
Yeah. So I was resistant to a lot of things, not just him. I was kind of being pushed to try and get some more therapy, to get some more support from Maggie's, et cetera. And I was just kind of resistant to everything, but at the same time in a really bad place. And, you know, like you, you know yourself eventually, you kind of recognize, God, this is not me. This is not what I'm normally like. And so I was kind of resisting everything. And then January kind of hit and I went, oh, I have to do something. So I signed up to both. So I started new therapy and I started working with Rob, my coach. And I remember the first call just thinking, this is nuts. He is nuts. I, I, this cannot be what we've just signed up for and paid for. And then as we work through it, you know, kind of one of the phrases they use all the time is like, be, do, have. So like you have to be something and feel it and dwell in it in order to be moved to do something that helps you become it. And then you will have it. So, you know, it's, it's very much about feeling into where you want to go and what you want to happen and and having that visualization, but just knowing as well that it will happen and you'll work towards it. And for a long time, I was thinking, I'm going back and forth with this. I mean, I felt very much like I was coming home, that I had this very positive mindset and I used it for positive good. And I could see that it had worked if I looked back across my life. But at the same time, I was like, does it? And then it came to thinking about Keith's results. And I don't know, I just had this moment where I thought, I know he's going to be fine. And I can't explain it. I knew he was going to be fine. And I have previously been the person, which I again worked through a lot of therapy with going, right, let's do the worst case scenario. Let's plan all the worst case scenarios. Then I'll be well prepared. You know, we'll plan for everything. The demise of the business, the demise of me, the demise of you. (laughs) And I just didn't. I had no, it didn't go there. Didn't feel it. And he had a wobble the day before we went in. And I just said, look, I know we're getting good news. Honestly, I, I can't explain it, but I know in my gut that it's going to be good news and it was and you know the the doctor his doctor shouldn't have been there that day and they both were and I don't know why they were there but they both were so we've had we had time with both of them they were both bouncing around starting to talk about cures and laughing again about how he was the guinea pig and because we've always had you know we've known them for a long time now unfortunately (laughs) Um, and yeah they've always had a really open kind of very easy and approachable manner and it had suddenly come back, you know, from that horrible, we don't want to give you this news. Like it had suddenly come back. Mm-hmm. And I will say that also gave me a little bit of like doing the mindset coaching. I remember our coach asked, you know, what's the worst thing you could have? What's the worst thing you could do in a day? And, you know, kind of running through the typical, oh, imagine I had to give a client bad news or this. And then I had this moment where I thought, imagine being Keith's doctor. We know him so well. We know the names of his kids and we know, you know, where he lives and what he likes to do. And he knew all of our story and he was always visiting me or him and we'd always check in. And he had to sit and tell someone who had just done cancer twice that not only did you have cancer again, like according to statistics, you won't be here this time next year. And I just had such empathy for him and thought nothing like not to belittle like our industry but nothing we do is that powerful and that traumatic I think as a human it takes a certain type of person to be able I think to do that day in day out as a result it's changed my approach to clients and you know whilst yes lots of things are annoying and frustrating and challenging you know I don't look at people's you know slightly snarky emails and go oh they're so snarky like well they're probably having a bad day and you know what we can fix that at some point and again nothing bad's going to happen if the web page is slightly wonky for a day you know so that whole process put it all into perspective for me and has given me much more joy in what we do and a lot less stress 
That is a really good message for people to listen to <laughs> and hear from someone that is speaking from experience, that's gone through what you've gone through. And I love that the fact that you had so much empathy for that doctor at that point. It wasn't about the news you were receiving. It was about mm. feeling for him. So I'm interested in kind of hearing anything else that has impacted you. Like you, you've changed your approach to clients. You're not taking things quite so seriously, certainly not personally. Anything else that this whole experience has had an impact on that you can kind of maybe provide some reassurance to others that have gone through this? I think it just builds a layer of resilience and then it also allows you to see. So, you know, we've had these four really challenging years. We came out of COVID having one of the best years we've ever had. We hired ahead of the curve earlier in the year and our curve didn't hit and our pipeline, although it looked incredible and was weighted carefully, just didn't materialize. And we still had to make those tough decisions and we had to make three people redundant in the summer. And so I don't think it takes away from the challenges of like the day-to-day running of an agency. And so I, that's the other thing. I wouldn't, you know, my crazy story doesn't belittle how difficult I think working in this industry can be and the responsibility and the weight of being a director and being manager. And But I think it does shape the way you approach it. And whilst it was awful giving these three incredible people the news and knowing that you're going to stick with them for quite a long time because they were junior members of staff you know you're the first person who made them redundant (laughs) unfortunately you're etched in their memory but again just being people first we made sure all of them had a job before they left we made sure they all were hooked up with an incredible recruitment agency up here we used personal contacts to get them interviews elsewhere and you know they all left our agency working for other people and now, you know, we're back, we're stable, and we have to hire another account manager. <laughs> and so the roller coaster continues. Exactly. And it has, <laughs> doesn't it? Look, we're getting close to the hour, and this has been a remarkable story, a remarkable journey. And I can't help but think there may be some people listening to this going through shit time. They might be in the thick of it right now, yeah. and or have just come out of it, or is just entering in it. Can you share with them? any kind of pieces of advice that perhaps you wish you'd had or that you now know going through it? What can you give to others? I think it's important to know that you won't realise what you're going through at the time you end up. But when you're in the thick of it, you're in full coping, we are doing this mode. You won't have a minute to realise how impactful it is. And when you finally do get out the other side, you need to give yourself either a forced holiday or time away or just a moment to breathe and kind of go, okay, that happened. No matter what it is, whether it's redundancies or challenging, to, or, you know, a really turbulent time with sales or something happens to staff or yourself. That's what I've learned. You don't realize how much you carry it and, until you give yourself a little bit of time to process it. So make sure you do some processing and find some things. Make sure you have insurance. Make sure you have critical illness insurance. Make sure you have business insurance. Make sure you have all of it because it's the only way that we got through all of it as a business. And personally, it was it would have been impossible without. And it's one less thing you need to worry about. Oh, what else? Other piece of advice. Take the help and ask for somebody else's opinion. So ask for somebody who's outside of it, especially if you're a loan agency owner. You need somebody who has eyes that are fresh to it because your decisions are so wound you know for me our, my decisions were so wound up in the is Keith okay am I okay where's our next appointment what's happening is the business okay what's happening when there's so many things running through your head I think you you sometimes need those moments and take no big decisions at the time don't do anything just leave it running because 
especially an agency, there will always be another sale. Even in the worst of times, there will always be another sale. And also, I mean, if the worst happened and you had to close, and I don't think that would happen because there will always be another sale, maybe you'd just be a little bit less stressed and you'd start again. That is such superb advice. I've just (laughs) been scribbling down. It's practical, but also inspiring as well. So listen, Rebecca, if anyone wants to follow up and have a chat with you, either they have resonated with something you've said and want to get your advice, or perhaps they've got their own story that they'd like to share with you for the podcast. Who knows? First of all, who would you like to be contacted by? And what's the best way of reaching you? So LinkedIn is normally the best way of reaching me or by email. I can give you my email address. I would love to talk to agency owners who have a similar story who maybe haven't shared it with anybody or didn't feel they should and also it doesn't have to be quite as much like on, like one thing is enough <laughs> I, I say this to people all the time people go oh it's not as bad as what you and I go, no but it's context right it's as bad as it has ever been for you don't compare it with three I don't want three <laughs> I would happily have taken one and stopped right there <laughs> So yeah, any agency owner who has a story, and it doesn't even have to be a podcastable story. If you just wanted to share with it with someone who loves human stories and like sharing, I would gladly talk to anybody. Anybody who knows a charity who might be interested in Lemur Foundation in talking to us, perhaps who are doing something similar with our agency and perhaps we can partner up because that's another area. I would love to talk to them as well. Yeah. And any agency owner who is kicking around events and sees me, I'd love to have an open conversation. Fantastic. Top mindset. <laughs> uh, amazing. And actually, having known you for a relatively short period of time, just in the last year, I can testify that you are so easy to talk to and you certainly made me open up to you. So I know that this next phase in your journey is going to be very special and you're probably going to give a, a lot back to a lot of people. So thank oh, you thank so you. much for sharing your story with us and all of the lessons that it brought you and for all of your advice, Rebecca. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jenny. I've loved it. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Rebecca. And if you'd like to be a guest on her podcast to tell your story, then you can contact her directly on LinkedIn. That's Rebecca McIntyre-Smith. And we'll also include a link to her LinkedIn profile on our show notes. And if you're listening to this at the beginning of 2023, And you want this year to be the year that you not only retain your agency accounts, but you grow your accounts. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn and let's talk about training for either you in your account management role or a member of your team. So contact me on LinkedIn at Jenny Plant, or you can also go over to my website, accountmanagementskills.com. I look forward to speaking to you on the next one.